0: There is a quote that says, For every lock out there, there is someone who is trying to pick it. Nowhere is this more true than in the current, very digital, very connected world. Cybercrime today is a reality that affects all of us far more than we could ever imagine. This is The Healthy Business Show. I'm your host, Fred Rhode, and in this episode, we've got Charles Uckerman in studio. Charles is the Chief Executive Officer at AVS Cybersecurity, and I've invited him onto the show to talk about how real this threat is, what it looks like, and what we entrepreneurs can do to avoid it. Welcome, Charles. I'm very excited to have you on The Healthy Business Show. I'm very interested to find out about this industry that you find yourself in the the cybersecurity industry and uh as an outsider and as as an entrepreneur very fascinated by people's entrepreneurial journeys i actually just want to delve into your particular journey we have these kind of visions of cybersecurity as these kind of you know dark faceless buildings with long corridors and and uh, rooms that look like mordor and you know People who never see the light and uh, who just sit hacking away at keyboards. Can you give us a little bit of insight into why you got into this, uh, this particular sector and what the drive was for you to really enter into it?
1: All right. I think one thing about IT and cybersecurity, for that matter, it is probably one of the fastest changing landscapes uh, that you could find. Uh, things are changing literally on a daily basis to sort of get right at the, at the stats of it. Um, currently, there's about four and a half, five new viruses or pieces of malware every second launched per day which means that it is changing so fast, and to try to keep up with it uh, is an is a, is a enormous challenge. Uh, but, I mean, that's what makes it very interesting. So if you, if you don't like learning, if you don't like to be creative, don't be in this industry. Uh, this is an industry that you have to adopt every single day. You have to learn every single day. Now, my journey started off actually as an industrial engineer. So I started designing okay. production lines at Nissan when I was a youngster. Oh wow! Okay, and I found my way into this industry about nine years ago. Um, um, the company itself, AVS Cyber Security, belonged to, to an Irish owner. Uh, and about eight years ago, we we borrowed some money and we uh, did a management buyout and okay, we so changed it really our strategy. it was
0: existing. It was an existing entity that you took over. Okay, Correct. Yeah, gotcha. it's about
1: in existence for about twenty years now. Okay, and uh, and then we started to change our whole journey uh, from a consulting and a architectural business. So uh, so yes, I just loved the. the the energy in it and the fast change in it and the, the new things that are coming out every day. And I think what's why I have a passion for it as well, you know, uh, it is, I think, a bit of that nature of in terms of making the, be- the world a better place, uh, protecting people a bit better. People are quite ignorant in terms of what cyber risk is because you can't see it. Uh, People find it difficult to conceptualize the associated risk. uh, Think about it. I mean, you just work on your computer. Uh, I mean, what happens behind it? I mean, you don't know. Uh, And um, um, techie guys often try and overcomplicate it as well, you know, (laughs) and it's actually not that complicated. Well, it's It's kind of
0: good for business, right? To overcomplicate it so that us Clubs don't actually understand what the hell's going on
1: well i think lawyers do it as well with the language they right. use and doctors do it as well with the language they use so i think it's probably relevant to every industry yeah you know specialty industries that they use their own jargons and and that sort of makes it sound complicated but for the average user it actually doesn't matter as yeah. long as the screen is what you can see on your screen is true and you can actually type on your keyboard what's happening i think in reality that's really the end result that people are looking at how it gets there uh, doesn't matter so it's, um, yeah, but it's a changing world. And I think
0: the perception of cyber security and cyber threats has changed quite radically in the recent past. From being certainly a little bit ambivalent about it, we didn't really care too much about it in the past. We just paid for maybe a little bit of a software program that was preventative, and you just sort of thought you had to have it installed. Now, I think it's become a lot more top of mind. There's been a lot of very high-profile security breaches uh, recently, the hacks of of Liberty and Standard Bank, for example. And... That's scary stuff, right? It's now become top of mind and it's become more real. Would that be accurate?
1: Yeah. I think the, the challenge is if you look at physical crime um, you know, versus cyber crime, um, when you see someone out in the field, you can protect yourself in a way of putting up burglar bars and putting up electric fences and alarm systems and all these kind of things. But imagine this. If someone wants to communicate to me or wants to enter my network from the UK or from Belarus or from Australia – They don't need a visa. If I want to go and visit Australia, I need a visa. I need a passport. I need to identify myself. And with cyber, the world is one big world. It is not. It is not protected in the same mechanism as you have in the physical world. Mm-hmm. Hence, it's made it a very, very small village. So, so it's it's literally a, the, the press of a button, and I can communicate with a server sitting any other, on the other side of the world, and also with cloud. So, a lot of applications, like something like Office three six five. And so on and Facebook and Google And you you name it sure. Those are applications that are now sitting in the cloud Which means it has become Even more simpler to access That information so think of the old days When you still had mainframes yeah. If you wanted access to that mainframe or that yeah. computer system You actually first had to be physically Inside the building sure. Now with the connected world that we live in And with this whole cloud world And, and massive data and hybrid cloud And things like that The accessibility to the data is so simple if you don't put the right Checks and balances and gates and identity And access management in place To access the data um, And I think that's the core In terms of why it's become more aware Because people are more, moving more into the cloud And they, more people are ignorant about it And they are more hacked uh, in the process They go onto a public Wi-Fi Sitting at any coffee shop Or sitting at the airport And not realizing what they are exposing themselves When they go onto like public Wi-Fi And not having proper protection mechanisms on their computers.
0: Can we talk into that a little bit? I mean, let's just say uh, there's a couple of examples there that I want to delve into because I want to try and get to the threat of running a business and actually making it real, particularly for our audience. If we look at the, I don't know, let's say um, a 10-person SME that's operating out of uh, a collaborative space in Santon, right? And he's or she's not... Necessarily that versed in cybersecurity and so on. What does that threat look like? Can you make it a bit more real in terms of actual practical examples of, of what could happen if that company is not adequately secured? I'd probably want to give you a couple of pointers
1: that a typical 10-man business can do. Sure. Uh, and one is that they get a proper uh, antivirus product. Don't download the free versions. Often cyber criminals designed free antivirus and you would then download it and think you've got antivirus, but meantime it was developed by cyber cybercriminals. Okay, and they wow. can then get access to your information. So go and buy a reputable uh, piece of software. And, I mean, with Discovery Business Insurance, they offer you best-of-breed antivirus as part of their insurance packages. Sure. So I think that's the first thing is get a proper antivirus in place. The second thing is, you know, we you often frustrated with the amount of bandwidth That all these updates and patches yes. On the software that we're using Do those because what happens is The manufacturers of that software They identify certain weaknesses or we call it Vulnerabilities within the software And then they give you a patch Or they give you a piece of code In order to harden that piece of software So that you're not exposed um, Because it's now known in the open um, That that's been a vulnerability which means Download those updates, make sure You do those patch management because because it will actually protect you better It's like repairing your fence uh, Suddenly there's a hole on the one side of the, of the yard um, You've identified it Now go and close it That's what patch management is all about Okay. So I think that's the one thing the, seg- the third thing is Make sure you have backups of your critical data uh, Any organization runs of data Whether it's small data, big data, doesn't matter The whole livelihood of the organization Is based on the customers And the invoicing And the recipes they're using And their logistics, etc, etc So that's critical data If that data has been compromised um, And you don't have access to the data Let's say the server on which it was running Has now suddenly fallen over or you had it in the cloud, and and your data has been compromised because you didn't have proper access control into that data. What's going to happen to you? So make backups and make sure that your backups are available. And what does sort a of backup
0: look like? Because I mean, traditionally you would have a backup on on a server, right? Or yes. you'd have it on a on some kind of external hard drive or whatnot. Nowadays, you've got the facilities like Dropbox and all the various cloud-based options that are now available to us. How would you run those backups? Because I would see them as being cloud-based backups. I mean, that's certainly the case for my business.
1: Yeah, So, I mean, there's a synchronization that you can do. So you simply just like iCloud and, yes. and, and uh, Dropbox, et cetera, et cetera. You simply synchronize the data that sits on your laptop. Uh, and if something does happen to your laptop, you have all of that data available either in your Dropbox or your OneDrive sure. in the Microsoft space or so. So I think that for the, for the average
0: PC, that's the simplest way to do is it. Is that enough, though? Because you mentioned if it's on the cloud, it can also be compromised.
1: Well, it's only as strong as the weakest link, which is your username and password. Sure. So people often use very simple passwords. They use their birth date. They use password one, two, three. I can give you a list of the typical passwords being used. And people are ignorant to use complicated passwords. I want
0: to jump in there. Just in terms of password management, I think most of us use passwords that we can remember, right? But you're saying use more complex passwords. Is that really a threat? And maybe to talk into that a, a bit. I mean, because I'm starting to feel a bit vulnerable now speaking to you, you know. Yeah. So think about it. Let's, do
1: you have one key that will open all the doors in your house? You've got multiple keys opening different doors for different risk profiles. Your safe will have certainly got a different key. Your car certainly has got a different key. So I think take that same simple approach in terms of having passwords. Now, when you do passwords, don't overcomplicate it. Relate it back to the application. Let's say, for instance, it is um, a Dropbox. Let's take your birth date. Take your birth date, call it at, and call it drop in. So it's the Dropbox,
0: yes. which
1: means you're using both your brain left and right hand side. Don't try and remember everything. Use a bit of the creativity juice okay. in terms of helping you to associate your passwords that you're using for different kinds of applications. Or create a little uh, sentence. My mother is turning 80. miet 8 at. So think about okay. something that is, cool. th- yeah. that is simpler to remember. So create almost like a bit of a mind map uh, in terms of how you should remember your passwords. That's one way. Doing it sure. And then you also do have um, Certain uh, applications sure, Like 1Password 1Password sort of thing, yeah. and things like that Kaspersky also has one So it's sure. called a vault uh, And in that vault You create a really heavy password And that's the only one That you have to remember gotcha. And then everything from there Sits inside your vault Which means yeah. that you've got Very complicated passwords Which cannot be compromised yeah. But um, uh, and, and which means that You are now better
0: protected More secure yeah, What more I like I mean I use 1Password I mean, it's kind. Of, you mentioned a house. I mean, this is for me. It's like a house with a thousand doors because I got so many blimmin' <laughs> applications that I'm using, and as we all are, and there's more and more every day, right? And particularly as a small business, and everything is moving more mobile, and you know, you've got all these intertwined, interconnected software applications from Squarespace to Mailchimp to Dropbox to G Suite to exactly. you know, all of these things are all kind of integrating with each other, and and you want a simple way. Of, of opening all those doors right well
1: think about it let's say you've got a very simple password on something like facebook how many times do you log into applications by using your facebook as your authentication mechanism mm. which means that if your facebook password has been compromised you've compromised the identity to all those other applications For as well sure. so yeah i mean use a bit more be a bit more creative it's not password one two three
0: And, Charles, you mentioned a little bit earlier about sitting in a Wi-Fi zone at the airport, for example. You often get that little pop-up on your screen saying, you know, you're in a compromised zone. Can you talk into that? What What is the threat there? Is there really some person in a hoodie sitting in the corner who's going to hack into your computer? What does that threat actually look like?
1: Well, it might not be a hoodie. It could be a girl at the, one of the coffee shops at the at the coffee shop uh, sitting over at the airport. <laughs>
0: Sophisticated Vogue model. <laughs>
1: Don't be deceived by the looks. So no, certainly it's not hoodies, guys, in down in in dark dungeons uh, that are that are doing it.
0: Or a so, guy in Uzbekistan. Exactly. Okay.
1: So uh, I mean, there are guys that are out there to prowl and they're only after one thing: they they to steal money. So if they can get access to your credit card details, if they can get access to your identity in terms of who you are, your is ID it number.
0: proximity based? I mean, are there Just to explain that So if you're sitting at an airport And
1: you you go onto a public Wi-Fi And your computer Is not properly protected In terms of when you're on that public Wi-Fi I can literally sit in that same public Wi-Fi environment And I'll be able to Hack into all the data on your computer It's literally The software you don't have to go and develop You literally get it off the web I can go and get that software. I can buy what they call a pineapple. A little pineapple is a little- Pineapple. Pineapple, it's a little device. And it will scan everyone that's on that network. And we use it when we do vulnerability assessments in environments. I mean, I can scan your environment. Yeah, I see you had a, a guest Wi-Fi password. And I can just quickly log in there because it's. I'm not sure whether you switch that Wi-Fi radio off at night. <laughs> but for instance, yeah. if, if your printer has got a Wi-Fi, I can actually see what you've printed uh, purely because your printer Wi-Fi was open and it wasn't locked. So in an airport environment, it's literally – there's a little piece of device that you buy, and you can literally uh, go and see everyone's data uh, on their computers if they did not lock down what we call the firewall uh, on the computer itself because your, fire, your computer also has got a firewall yes. and that locks down what kind of traffic, what kind of information do you allow onto your computer and what kind of information can go out of your computer. So it's, it's literally, literally a gate. Yeah, electronic gate. So if those things are just like wide open as God's grace, um, believe it. Um, it's going to be very, very easy to get your credit card details because once i have got your credit card details or your banking login information, we're in the money. Uh, yeah. you know that's 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 what they're after. And I can even go and buy credit card details today, which will be guaranteed valid for the next three days with the CSV numbers. I,
0: so it's 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 available. Charles, you you're officially the most dangerous guy in the building right now. <laughs>
1: Can I hope I'm, 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 I'm actually the good guy. <laughs> you look so
0: sweet and friendly, but actually you're this dark terrorist. But, but, Charles, can I ask you a question then? On that note, I mean, does Kaspersky and AVS, do you guys have hackers amongst you to test your own systems? Do you employ the smartly dressed girl in the coffee shop to come and try and hack into your own systems to test out your security?
1: Brilliant question. So there's two types of hackers. You get what we call the dark hat. Or the, the black hat hackers. Yeah. Those are the bad guys. Okay. Uh, and they are trying there just for financial gain and so on. And then you get white hat hackers and we've got those white hat hackers. Yes.
0: They're like the good bad people.
1: (laughs) They're the good bad people. (laughs) So they are helping you to identify what you cannot see. You say, here's my website, or here's my, what we call an IP address, your, it's like your post box address sure. for, for your emails. Uh, see if you can compromise it. See if you can get in here without me even picking it up. And then we will use all sorts of interesting tools, uh, to actually uh, do it. We also use things like social engineering. So to give you an example, we did a vulnerability assessment on a very big, uh, mine, uh, the other day. And it was based on a black basis, so they didn't give us a lot of information. They said, guys, there's the mine. Um, We're not giving you IP addresses. We're not giving you URLs. Try and get access into our system. So what did we do? We went onto the Internet. We looked at their website. We then looked at who was the head of HR. Um, We phoned up. I say, good day. We're phoning from the IT department. We're doing some updates uh, on the IT side. We're going to drop you a mail. Can you please just quickly click on that so we can finish our updates that we need to run because of the new hardening of our security? She clicked on it. The moment she clicked on it, we had access into the the system. So we will take about a half an hour uh, in most – I would say 99% of the organizations. We will take half an hour, and we will have between 20 and 30% of the people's passwords. Because people are really vulnerable So how does it happen It will you, the IT manager In an organization And we will simulate an email That it looks it comes from you Sent to the whole organization People don't look at the details They didn't see that it came from a Gmail account But it was your signature Because we copied and pasted that signature Because it's really available We used your branding Because that's available on on the internet On your website So we simulate it We use a social engineering technique Where we then simulate as if it was you and we got access to, it to your system It's as simple as that, it's not complicated Hence why do the basic things right If you do the basic things right um, I think you know what You are probably 75% there
0: All these examples of, of hackers and so on This appears to be In most cases And certainly from a layman's perspective A human element right? The hacker would need to phone in Find a weak link it's not like you could just go and hack into the Pentagon and you know get the the codes. Not at all. And start pressing red buttons.
1: Not at all. No, there's a very very specific approach that you do. Uh, so it's a targeted attack if you want to attack someone. So you work you work your strategy out in terms of how you're going to get go, get into the system. I mean, what we did with that social engineering, the first part of our attack was. To make a phone call And we then ask someone to do something And then we load it code So the moment they press on the link But that's only the starting point by loading the code yes. Then there's an exploitation phase Where we're now exploiting it And then we start extracting And once, you, once you're done You then take all your tracks away as well So you've got software that removes all the logs To show that you actually had access to the system as well So which means that there's no footprints That you leave behind That you've actually been there um, we often find what they call zero day attacks. It's it's vulnerabilities that are within software that has been there for years or persistent threats. It could have been available in that environment for years without us knowing it. So, so again, it could happen right here, right now. We, we don't know about it, but you know what, to worry about that. I think it's probably not worth it. At least do some of the basic things right to protect you in
0: a reasonable way. So it's not hard, is what you're saying. It's it's fairly easy for a, an entrepreneur or a small business owner to protect his or her business by just deploying these steps, yes. right? So ensuring that you're you have at least a basic paid for reputable. Uh, antivirus software system and a little bit of awareness around threats like phishing and duplication of emails and that sort of thing
1: that is as important because you deal with people uh, and technically speaking your people are your vulnerabilities because they are the people that obviously deal with the computers and so on so i think to create that awareness is absolutely fundamental I'll give you an example if you go and work at a mine or on a factory you will not work in that environment if you didn't go through health and safety induction, right? Mm. That risk is just too high for that organization. Yet we allow people on our networks without going through IT security induction. So we are allowing people into our network totally being exposed – and we didn't do anything to actually help him to Understand what is their responsibility To make sure that the environment is protected So yeah, if you get that mail that you've Won the lotto for the fourth time In the UK,
0: you didn't. I click on all of those Exactly,
1: you know, so so You know, it's, it's just creating that Awareness and ask yourself the common sense Question, so, does it make sense Does this make sense That's the, I think that's just to create that awareness Because adults don't learn yeah. and, and once you create them, made them aware Of it, it almost becomes a Way of doing things within that little organization,
0: yeah, and I think it goes back to your your other point in that it 's it 's the unseen threat it 's not the thing that you can see I mean these are not real doors these are, are virtual doors zero, ones and zeros that you 're looking at and that you 're dealing with and so you know whilst I suppose the threats are in fact you know a, a lady in a Santan coffee shop or a shadowy dude in Uzbekistan. There's, you know, these are real people, but they can't be seen. So those threats, like the, the mining threat of, you know, the health and safety, which is very prevalent and you can see the, the real impact of it. It's difficult to define it in your mind as what it could be.
1: Well, imagine going to the police station and uh, you want to open a case against a cyber criminal that sits in Belarus. Mm. So first of all, you would say, well, my data was stolen. So you still got your data? Yes, I do. But it's stolen. Yes, it's been stolen as well. You know, I mean, just start there. Yeah. (laughs) It is incredibly difficult from a prosecution perspective to actually get a cyber criminal in jail. Yeah. Because you can sit anywhere in the world. I could, it could look as if I sat in Australia, but oh, following up. Oh, I was actually in China. No, I wasn't. Oh, I was actually in the UK. So it's very elusive because of the way how the whole global internet is knitted together. It's quite difficult to sort of like pinpoint who you are, where you are, and to actually then prosecute you, to actually
0: have – it's only the high-level cases which are prosecuted. Sure. But the average stuff is not. I think we should get Leon Schuster to do that scene, by the way, (laughs) the police station interview. But I think just in terms of – again, I'm trying to define it particularly for our, our listeners. What's the worst that can happen? And maybe are there any horror stories that you've come across? Yes, I think the worst case that you can
1: have is that you want to work on your computer. Um, suddenly you see certain credit card transactions going off your bank or your data is not there anymore or your data has been ransomized in, in some form of way. Except for the financial impact, there's a huge emotional impact whether an enterprise organization yeah. or a small organization. Think about the, if you're a slightly larger organization, your reputational damage. We're talking millions of rands. I think the average now for a, a compromise in an organization enterprise, we're talking around about the value is about 16 million per incident. Sure. For a small business, the average value is about 1 million rand per incident to recover your data, and that's to make sure your reputation is intact again, et cetera, all the processes sure. that goes around it. So it's a very – Costly, emotionally and financially exercise if you've been compromised. So do reasonable things to to try and prevent that in the first place.
0: So we've spoken about having the right virus protection software. We've spoken about awareness. Are there any other things that you can speak into?
1: And we also mentioned the patch management. Yes. Uh, and I think it's also um, you want to be more proactive and you would maybe want to look at a service provider of some sort that will create create a bit of prediction around it because that's where the big data comes in. So monitoring all the antivirus activities that are happening in your environment, monitoring all the kinds of data that's been traveling through your firewall or whatever, and then saying, guys, we are picking up certain profiles that you potentially could be exposed or are going to be Exposed. and I think that's where you want to proactively monitor your environment to make sure that you're more in a predictive scenario than you are just in a reactive scenario. That's where the world is going because I mentioned to you four and a half, five viruses per second. Sure. To protect all of those all the time Is becoming quite a difficult job So you want to look at the behavior It's also like the behavior analysis And this is where machine learning Artificial intelligence is a bit of a vague concept I'm not quite sure if it exists I think machine learning exists Machines don't make decisions themselves They make decisions on data that they've been fed And that's machine learning So to ask the questions To to sort of say I want to make new decisions You have to feed the machine with new data The machine cannot creatively come up with that new data It will only operate on the data that's been fed I think the machine learning component is that It helps to ask certain questions In terms of products and services That clients don't even know that they want So it it helps us to come up with certain business models and prediction models. Give you an example – you go gone to Google and you searched, I wanted to travel to Italy. And suddenly you get a whole lot of adverts coming up By the next time you open Google again. So what did they do? They picked up your search pattern. Sure. And they then created a whole service delivery around your behavior. Sure. It, the machine didn't know that you want to go to Italy. You fed it with data to say that you were searching for something to be Italy. You get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, the retargeting, right? The
1: Retargeting and so on. But that's all about machine learning and it's building up algorithms. From an AI point of view, I think… I think that's a very, very dangerous situation uh, I think when we really go into that Where machines start creating their own intelligence Which I'm saying they, I don't think it's they can. Because I'd not.
0: love to do a full podcast on just that
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's a discussion all on its own Yes, but, of course And we should, I think as smaller organizations Need to have a look at what kind of applications And what kind of service providers can, it be, can we use That can give us the intelligence of machine learning so when I spoke just now about the antivirus, a good antivirus has got machine learning built into it. So it builds up the algorithms of the kind of virus that it's picking up and on which Wi-Fi set you are, et cetera, to try and make sure that in the back end they put additional definition files onto your computer to make sure that you will not be exposed because they are picking that up everywhere in the world because of the honeypots and everything and so on. So that's machine learning. Sure. It's not AI. It's just, just
0: quickly, uh, you mentioned Honeypot. For our audience, can you define what a honeypot is? Yes. it's quite an important term. Yes, so
1: honeypot is someone that says, here I am, give me all your data, I'm like a stupid user, if I can call it that, and uh, I'm onto an open internet, and I'm exposing my credit card details, so it simulates that I'm a very poor user of my computers, so the cyber criminals may think, oh, here's a good attacker, let's attack this guy. Meantime, I'm just actually extracting all the data that I'm now getting from the dark web and from the attackers to try and analyze how the thinking pattern works so that I can build that back into my software in order to protect you
0: gotcha. so using bad guys info to actually build stronger applications. Sure and I think in that last sentence uh, there's another lesson just don't ever go into the dark web that's probably not a good idea No. I think that's just a hive of malware and Trojans and uh, misactivity that you don't want to go into. Charles, just to close off, I want to know if you've got any um, final thoughts or final pieces of advice for the entrepreneurs in our audience and for people growing their businesses. Yes, I think don't try and do everything yourself.
1: Don't be intimidated by all the technocrats around you. Um, often, as I say, technical uh, IT guys want to over-bombard you and overcomplicate it. you. Think simple. Think what is it that your business requires. Use technology to enable your business. There's lots of very good applications out in the market, uh, either on your phone or your computers, that can enable you to be Mobilized much faster in this Digital world that we're living so don't try and Redesign it yourself just go And search what are the kind of applications That fits your business model and Then uh, and then adopt those Make sure they are properly secured And hardened and I think you'll Be then be still relevant and competitive uh, In the next year or two which means you Won't be caught out with uh, uh, disruptors In your industry so I think um, The applications are there go and find Them and make sure that you uh, don't listen to everyone that's telling you everything. Follow your gut. Follow your common sense. And um, that does it make sense what they are trying to give you? Vendors and technical people want to sell you the world, and it can make tea and coffee and silver bullet and everything in one. Don't believe all of that. Think for yourself.
0: So keep it simple and keep it repeatable, I guess. Keep yeah. it real.
1: Just keep it real.
0: And again, just going back to your original point, Discovery Business Insurance actually does provide you with those uh, reputable applications and, uh, and advice, I suppose, in how and, to protect yourself. And the
1: backups mm-hmm. and the proactive monitoring of your environment and the incident response. So if you have an incident and you've been compromised, as part of the Discovery Policy Insurance, they will, um, we will actually go out and actually go and assist the client to recover the data again. And get them up and running in the shorter space of time. So, you've got absolutely a disruptor in terms of what Discovery has done in terms of the IT space. So, if you take the policy, you can actually get all of that almost for free.
0: Amazing. This has been such a fascinating discussion, Charles. I really appreciate it. And to be frank, I could speak to you for another hour or so just on, on some of the more fascinating, darker sides of, uh, of security and and also some of the individuals, I guess, that are within the sector. Congratulations on your success and thank you for all the advice that you've given us and all the best for the future.
1: Yeah, Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Business Show. If you love this podcast, do let us know via social media, tag at discovery underscore SA, use the hashtag DSY healthy business and please do rate us on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify or wherever you find your shows. You can also find more episodes on the Discovery website at discovery.co.za forward slash corporate forward slash podcasts.